Hello there, Menor Mission Baptist Church family. It's good to be with you today through this podcast. We're going to do our midweek discussion as we try to do each and every week, covering the sermon from this past week. We've been celebrating Christmas. Uh, Christmas, when we're doing this, is coming up in a few days. It's Monday. Christmas is on Saturday. We're looking forward to our Christmas Eve service uh, with our church family this week at 5 o'clock. So if you listen to this before Christmas Eve. Hopefully we'll we'll see you there. Uh, we'll always look forward to that service. But this past Sunday, we spent time looking at another covenant that God had made with his people. And this was the covenant that God made with David. And so the Davidic covenant, it can be found in 2 Samuel chapter 7. Really, I read verses 8 through 17, but you could read all of chapter 7. Uh, covers it there. Uh, But we've been trying to do a series on the covenants. We've looked at covenant that God had made with. How did you word that, Spencer? Is there what is that covenant called? The first one is there is there a specific title that people give that with Genesis three fifteen? Yeah, yeah. I mean, no. I mean, they call some people call it the proto evangelion or euangelion, which means the first gospel or whatever. Yeah. Um, But yeah. Yeah. No, I don't know if it's. I actually, mean, it really was a covenant with man, but also right. a covenant with Satan that you're about. You're right, about, you're going to get threat. it. Yeah, the curse. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're going to get it. Okay, and then uh, then we looked at God's covenant with Abraham, uh, and then we looked at God's covenant with Moses and the people of Israel at Mount Sinai. Pastor Scott preached that sermon, and then this week, uh, King David. And so, David seems to be an important character in the Bible, an important person in history. And so as Christians, as people who've been saved by God's grace, and according to what we looked at with the covenant with Abraham, we as believers, this is our family, this is our story. And so when we look at our lineage, when we look at who we are in Christ, King David is an important person to us. And the reason being is the Bible says that King David was a man after God's own heart, and King David was a man that God chose to anoint to be the king of Israel. And what the covenant says there in Samuel is that God had promised David that from him, from from his lineage, would come one whose kingdom would last forever who would save Israel, who would provide peace for Israel forever. And it even mentions uh, land again. So just like with Abraham, Abraham's mentioned land, that he would be given a land, as people would be given a land. So does this Davidic uh, covenant. One interesting thing in the covenant that I tried to point out is it said that his son will build a house. And so after David comes his son Solomon, and Solomon is king of Israel, uh, and Solomon does just that. He actually builds the temple. Uh, he doesn't build any of it, I would guess. I wouldn't think King Solomon probably picked up a hammer. <laughs> he might have made some blueprints right? right. or something and like that. And by the way, it wasn't a multi-site. <laughs> no, it no, was a it was single, single site. location. Yeah. It was a single location. And we see the dedication of the temple. And so part of this, this uh, covenant we see fulfilled in a way with that happening. Number one, from David's lineage will come the king, Solomon, right. lineage king. We see in a land, There's it's in a specific place where this temple is built, in a land that was promised to him, and then the temple being being built. 
But it also said, when your son disobeys, he's going to face the consequences of that. And I didn't mention this. I don't. I don't think I did in the sermon. But what we see when Solomon in Solomon's reign and when he dies, is we see uh, the kingdom split. The kingdom splits into Israel and Judah, mm-hmm. and you see this being fulfilled because King Solomon did not always follow the ways of God. He he sinned in his life uh, greatly, and and so we see this split within Israel that causes havoc. For a long time, for a long time, uh, within Israel, but but it's not this whole covenant isn't getting fulfilled, and the question seems to remain within Israel. When you read uh, some of the Psalms, when you read like Jeremiah, I quoted from Jeremiah and some others, it seems that Israel, with this covenant with David, was still looking to something. They didn't say, "Well, this was Solomon." It was talking about Solomon, and so we're all we're all good. They seem to keep looking to something because they're they're realizing we're not the Israel we thought we would be. We still have all this conflict. And so God made this covenant with David, who they all trusted in and believed in. And so there's got to be something more. And so this is where the covenant starts to become a messianic promise. <clears throat> and this is why when you get to the New Testament, it becomes so important, the genealogies that you find. It becomes important that Mary... Zechariah, all these, when they're talking about it, they're talking about David. This is the son from, of David, and and even Paul in his writings would, would pin Jesus to, to David. And what's happening there is the New Testament is pointing us to say this is the righteous branch that Jeremiah was talking about. This is the promise that of the covenant that God made with David. It's in this person, Jesus. He's from the line of David, and his kingdom will reign forever. And so we spent some time on Sunday trying to, I tried to do my best to compare, you know, to write down the promises that God made in the covenant, uh, that there'd be a place, peace, David's son build a house, a kingdom forever in his lineage, and that God's steadfast love would remain on them forever. I tried to show how Christ actually fulfills all of that. You know, even, even the building of the temple, because some might say, you said he built the temple. What are you talking about? Mm-hmm. Well, Jesus says, tear this temple down. I'll rebuild it in three days. Talking about his body. Right. His body is temple. I think that's also fulfilled, too, in the building of the church. And what Paul says in Ephesians, I was looking at this, Ephesians chapter 2, uh, it says in verse 18, For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone, in whom <clears throat> in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. And so Christ being the cornerstone is building his church into a house mm-hmm. where we are all in a sense the temple because God dwells in us through the spirit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what do you guys have to add maybe to the message or something that you would like to point out? If you even remember it, we had a long day yesterday. I feel like I preached this message two weeks ago <laughs> after yesterday, <laughs> after yesterday. That's just me. Maybe you guys are, you guys are younger than me and 
Yeah, that's true. <laughs> probably in better shape and all that <clears throat> stuff. So you're probably that's not, not you're not hurting this morning, but well, we don't have any stitches. I have stitches. I got yeah. a bad eye right now. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. So I don't know if so you're telling me you do remember the sermon. Is that what, what's coming? <laughs> I, I took some notes. <laughs> yeah, no, I think uh, joining into what you guys were just saying though about the the temple thing, um, with Christ being the temple and then all of us in Him mm-hmm. being part of that temple because we're part of His body. I mean, uh, one last uh, verse that uh, comes to mind is uh, Revelation chapter twenty one and about the new heavens and the new earth, and it says. In verse 22, and I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. So again, explicitly stating that what Jesus said uh, in John's gospel is reaffirmed in the revelation of John, but then all of us in Christ are part of that temple, um, the dwelling place of God as the church yeah. in him. Um, that's... Uh, and, and even Solomon, I think if we talk about just temple stuff for a minute, um, Solomon in his prayer um, in 1 Kings 8 explicitly is saying, there's no way this temple uh, can do its job fully. Um, and there was this recognition, again, after the exile, you see the people weeping after the temple's been destroyed, and then they're trying to rebuild it. And they're trying to be faithful, but they realize this can't be all that there is. We're, this is good for what it is, but it's not, it's not the final thing. It's not the final temple. And so, uh, it's interesting how man, we, we try to come up with these ways to honor God or I think we do it from a right place. We want to, to please him in some way in what ends up happening. I think when we try to do this, so even like Isaiah, when, when the Lord presence come with, comes with him. Isaiah was trying to do a, a good thing there, and all of a sudden, here comes the Lord, and what happens? He's like, <laughs> nothing I do right. is of any worth. And it almost seems like Solomon understands that mm-hmm. all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. He's been working for a long time on this temple. The day has come to dedicate it. He's, I mean, I'm trying to picture what it looked like. He might right. be standing before it with all the people looking around, and he realizes, I'm going to pray. Oh, my gosh, this mm-hmm. isn't enough. Right. What right. in the world? Right. But yet still, we struggle with that today, I think, when we really are honest, if we come into like church to worship mm-hmm. together, and we're like, all right, God, today I'm going to give you my best. Here, here it comes. Get ready. Really, the response at the end needs to be the same, an understanding of, mm-hmm. I don't have anything. I have nothing to right. give here. The right. songs I'm singing aren't even my own. I didn't even write them. Mm-hmm. It's somebody else's words. Right. You know what I mean? Like... I think that's a good thing for us to yeah. remember and realize, and I don't know. Yeah, something well, came to my and mind. The temple, and the temple is said to be the place, first of all, for sacrifices mm-hmm. and worship. It's the place where the glory of God is manifested, and also uh-huh. it's interesting. Solomon places heavy emphasis in his prayer that the temple is the place that we are to look to in prayer. Um, which again reminds us Jesus fulfills all of those. We look to Him in prayer for all things. Mm-hmm. He is where the glory of God is manifested. Because this supremely. is what brought the big question with the Samaritan yeah. woman, right? Mm-hmm. Where yep. do we worship? Right, this hill on this hill, and Jesus is like <laughs> hills. We right. don't, you know, like, right. we're talking about hills. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. And and in a sense, He's saying <laughs> right here, <laughs> yeah, right here. In, You're looking in at me. Him. Is if where, you through, only in knew. and through me is where you yeah. worship yeah. now. Yeah, uh-huh. and it's also, I mean, all of those things that you said, but a, a nuanced as well is that. 
the temple is where you had fellowship with God. Mm-hmm. It's where yeah. you came to meet God. And right. as much as like all of our feeble efforts, like we we do look like we've been talking about, look forward to this day. We really do live in a very unique and amazing time in redemptive history when God really is dwelling within us. We have access to the Lord in a way that many people before has never had, you know, and so as so as feeble as sometimes our efforts may be, it really truly is an amazing thing that we have access to God, like you said there in Ephesians, mm-hmm. that we do. Yeah. And um, that's something that we should marvel and wonder at. Yeah, because still today the Jews go to the Wailing Wall. Right, mm-hmm. the Wailing Wall was a part of Herod's, Herod's temple. temple, and it's the only part that really still stands. And so, they go to this wall and they pray. I was just watching something on this the other day, and they write these little prayers and they roll the prayers up and they shove it in between the rocks and stuff. And for us as Christians, I think that seems foreign, but for them, this is the presence of God. This is where God resides and where He comes, and so He hears me better here. Right, I mean that's what's happening here. He's he's going to see me better here. Literally, yeah. Yep, that, yeah. Where us as Christians, like I don't have to, I don't have to go there. He hears me in my car. He hears me. Why? Because Christ is the mediator right. now. That 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 uh, veil has been torn in two in the holy of holies, and right. where the glory of God would go is now because in Christ right. it's revealed to us. Right. You know, so right. That's a that's a big that's a that's a real big deal. Anything else there on the the temple part? No? You guys nailed it? Good job. Well, so when we think about the Christmas story, because this is what we've tried to been tying tying things to, what do you guys think? Uh, I've often wondered this, and I, I don't really know. <laughs> there's, I guess there's songs about it too, but the angel comes and tells Mary what's happening. And the angel comes and tells Elizabeth what's going on, and even Zechariah. And so they they have this, I want to say, an idea of what's happening, because you see it in their prayer, you see it in Mary's song, how she'll worship God and say, this is the one, this is the Messiah. There's like this understanding, but um, you still wonder what that meant to them because it seems like for all of Israel, it meant, and that this is what I think Mary and them were thinking, he's going to be the king on the throne here soon in the next 30 years or 20 years or whatever it was going to be. But an earthly kingdom of rule and reign still was probably on their mind. And the reason for that is the Davidic covenant. Would you guys agree with with that? I mean, that's exactly what the angel tells Mary. Mm-hmm. I mean, the angel specifically says that he will be on the throne mm-hmm. and that he will reign forever. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, th- mm-hmm. I think it's fair to say that. Yeah. Now, it does say they. Um, yeah, I think there was there was a mixture of things going on here. Like on the one hand, they could not grasp the full fulfillment of how all the promises were going to be, but. It had been told them that he will save his people from their sins. And that was explicitly revealed to them by the angel. And um, additionally, we're told early on in Jesus's, as Jesus is an infant, um, is it Simeon that comes to her and says, a sword's going to pierce your heart. Yeah. Um, so mm-hmm. 
she's she's learning a few things. Um, of course, no one could uh, know all the details mm-hmm. of how all this was going to play out. Yeah. That's a that's a good <clears throat> clarification. Yes. Yeah, so like. I what I was saying is like I think that she knew that there was something going on with the Davidic covenant yeah. here, but she didn't know ultimately like how yeah. it was going to play out. Right, because it right, says yeah. she keeps pondering these things yeah. in her heart. Right, right, yeah. right. Yeah, so there's, yeah. I just I think sometimes we we as New Testament people are kind of harsh on the Old Testament people, or or Mary and them or the disciples to be like you guys are so dumb. I don't know how you didn't see this and how you didn't understand. Right, what was happening here? You know? But but it's interesting. I do think that I mean, you see Zechariah's prophecy, right? When he's talking about his son, what does he say his son's going to do? Right, he's yeah. going to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins. Mm-hmm. Um, consistently, the idea of salvation from sin is brought up, bef- like you know, before Jesus is even born or around his birth. Mm-hmm. So. Um, the angel explicitly saying, call him Jesus. He's going to save his people from their sins. And so um, somehow, some way, God is in and with and through this child mm-hmm. um, going to save us, not simply from the Romans, but primarily from our sins. And I, I don't know, again, I don't know what all they thought, but they did have that at least, that that understanding that this is what he has to do. Mm-hmm. Because true believers in Israel before Christ, they all knew the primary problem we have is our sin problem that separated us from God, not the Romans. Right. There were people who thought the primary problem was the Romans, and sure. that was probably most of Israel. But but and that's why John the Baptist ministry is so important because he's calling the people back, back. to repentance, mm-hmm. um, to recognize their separation from God because yeah. of their sin. In the mention, in, like in Zechariah's prophecy about the the forgiveness of their sins, that's that's bringing together like a melding of the different covenants because yeah. the forgiveness of sins mm. is what I tried bringing out in the Mosaic covenant. Yes, that that's what's going on there. So the Davidic covenant, you have this king, this ruler that will. You know, fulfill their that <clears throat> um, that role for eternity, but then there's the problem of sin coming in as well. Right. So there's also there's almost like a melding of the covenants yeah. of yeah. like this child that's coming is gonna yeah. deal with them all. Yeah. 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 I feel yeah. like trying to talk about the idea of a king and what a king does is difficult to our society. We're so far removed from a king, and really, when we think about a king, our mind goes to we actually. We actually beat our king and got out from under him and started mm. our own thing, and it's a lot better. You know, that's right. kind of how we think. And so, why would why would we need a king? That's an old system. That's silly. Mm. But when we think about like <clears throat> the role of the king and how the king is viewed, I mean, the king is viewed more than just like as a ruler, but the king was viewed as as a savior. Like the king is who who saves us. He's the one who who protects us and or who leads us into battle. Right. That was one of the sins of david remember that they were out in battle david wasn't and he should have been as the king because that's the king's job you go and you lead the nation and he didn't do it mm-hmm. um and so when we're talking about the davidic covenant it's about a a king and, and a king that we really need and so with wrapped up as in the king that we need really wraps up all these things that we've been talking about about the the savior who is going to save us he's going to he's going to save us and so what you guys are talking about is some people see that as save us from the romans but there's a mm. deeper thing here like you were talking about people realized 
No, save us from our sins. This whole mm-hmm. thing of we're separated from God because we can't keep this right. law. We can't we can't keep it. We can't keep doing the sacrifices and yeah, these Romans are coming in and maybe not letting us worship how we should or do, yeah, but even if we were, it's not mm-hmm. we're not living up. We keep we keep messing up mm-hmm. and that's why this idea of a king is so grand. Mm. And again, I think that's hard for us to understand because we don't, we don't, I tried to mention like politicians in my sermon, but we don't look to our politicians as kings. Right. I thought that was a good illustration. We don't look to them as savior. So there's a, there's a difference there. Uh, because but, they're in you, what you, some things that you were pointing out, I think was that they don't know us. Yeah. They, they don't represent me. They don't know me. Mm-hmm. And you were talking about Christ coming in the flesh, like he's able to sympathize with us. Mm-hmm. He does know us. Yeah. And I think sometimes the reason we don't look highly on the idea of a king is because pretty much every example of a king we have in human history is a negative example. Mm-hmm. There's not that many positive ones where you look at a person who has absolute rule, absolute authority, and think that that's a good thing. Right. We normally think it's a bad thing. Yeah. The difference is when you have a king who is literally perfect and righteous and altogether good and loves you perfectly, that is that's the rule of a king that you actually want to be under. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's that's the difference that Christ is in in that role. Yeah, when I think about a king, I honestly my mind can only go to movies. <laughs> like yeah. I, I can't or to England. Yeah, and where but the I moniker don't, mean But I don't know what they do, you know. Yeah. I, yeah I, Nothing. <laughs> it shows up on TV. But that's what I you know, I think of movies where they have kings and yeah, it's normally like, well this nation's going to try to stress our king is going to lead us into battle right. and you see examples of selfish kings, you know, kings who make the peasants go do this or make them starve mm-hmm. to death so that he can, But then you see in movies good kings who sacrifice themselves, you know, or mm-hmm. they they lead the battle and they lead the charge. And, and it seems like their whole motive for being king is the people, to care for the people who who is theirs. They You know, he, this king views them as these are my people, all of them, and so he loves them and cares for them. But even in the movies, they always have a flaw, you know. Right. It's a, it's a, I guess well, and sense. one of the ancient images of a king was a shepherd, I believe. Um, oh. and so I could be wrong about that, but I believe that was, um, so like whenever it also says the Lord is my shepherd, mm-hmm. um, uh, you think about David writing that. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And so that, that's really, and that's kind of what God says. I took you from being a shepherd of sheep to be a prince over my people, to be a leader, to be a shepherd mm-hmm. of my people, <clears throat> Israel. That's why Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. Mm-hmm. I'm the good King. Yeah. I'm the good one. Who's going to be a, um, a figure to care for your souls. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, that's totally different. I mean, uh, really, the idea of kingship is, um, you you see, the, and as far as redemption is concerned, you see that again in Genesis 3.15. He's crushing the enemies of the people. And that's what the promise with David was. He's going to save the people from the Philistines. That's what the promise with Saul was originally, right? Well, he can do, this guy can save us from our enemies. David can save us from our enemies. Well, Jesus comes and and saves us from our enemies. And and also tying it back to Abraham, there had been that promise to Abraham, you will have a line of kings come from you. Mm -hmm. And we see Abraham acting kingly, particularly in Genesis chapter 14, whenever, remember, Lot is kidnapped and whatever, and what does Abraham do? or at the time, Abram, he goes out, gets a military force, and defeats kings. 
mm-hmm. and defeats them in battle and has the treasures and, and gets interested into the spoils of the victory. And so that also reminds us of a greater son of Abraham who's going to come and, and do mm-hmm. likewise. Um, so yeah, this theme throughout of a king who serves the people, who doesn't abuse the people, mm-hmm. who lays down his life for the people, is being gradually revealed. And you see the reverberations and the echoes, I think, throughout the whole Old Testament. Yeah. And so a big problem with David and his yeah. kingdom is he right. died. Yes. He's this great king. Uh, David had great success, like you were talking about, in battles and in war. And so from what I gather in my studies, during David's reign, there was pretty good amount of peace Probably more peace during Solomon's mm-hmm. reign, though, yeah. because Solomon wasn't out doing the that was fighting. The, that was the reason that God gave David he couldn't build the temple, right? Right. Yes, mm-hmm. he fought too much. Yeah, but but God gave him great success, and so we have this king who, like, when David's leading us in battle, we're probably going to win this thing. Mm-hmm. There's great confidence, but there's a problem. David keeps getting older, and now David is dead. Right. And now we have Solomon, and oh man, right with this king. When we're talking about Christ, it becomes very important then to know about his life, what his mission was on earth, but then how he died and how he rose again. And that's an important part of this covenant because this is where the kingdom can last forever because the Mm -hmm. king can be on the throne forever. This is another thing I think is really hard to teach people and to grasp in our heads. Uh, Every time I feel like I talk about the ascension or Jesus being on the throne right now, I feel like people just stare at you like, Mm-hmm. I know that, but what does this really mean? And I get that. I mean, I'm not saying... It doesn't seem like that big of a deal. Yeah, but it is because he's the king forever. And if, if you've been coming on Sunday nights, when I when I preach on Sunday nights, we've been going through the attributes of God, and we have this king who has all the omni-attributes on the throne, who knows us perfectly, who's all-sufficient, <coughs> all you know, all-knowing, all-powerful, mm-hmm king who will never end his reign is never going to end we're not going to say man jesus is getting old he really should start thinking about his successor no we we don't have to we don't have to worry about that with Mm -hmm. this king and and i think where some people get lost is a we need to talk about the second advent which we talked about in the sermon that christ promised he would come again but i think sometimes we get so lost in just thinking about the second advent that we forget the fact that he's actually on the throne now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All power and authority is his now. Yes, we haven't seen all of the enemies crushed, but we've seen the enemy's been crushed. It's under his feet. He's crushed his head. Mm-hmm. It's it Jesus, when he was on the cross, it's it's finished. That's what he was that's what he was talking about. Mm-hmm. And so we should get excited, I think, about that fact that our our king is king, and he's yeah. king forever. It, yeah. it, it's done. It's, it's a done deal. Yes, we look forward to the second advent when he comes, and there's going to be a new heavens and a new earth. We we look forward to that day, and we, we trust that promise, and we live in this time where life is still difficult, and yes, we're going through those things, but that doesn't change the fact that Jesus is the king right, right now. Mm-hmm. It's not something we're waiting for. Yeah. Right now on Wednesdays, the youth are doing a study in the book of Acts, and the book of Acts starts with the ascension. Mm-hmm. Um, and before studying this and, and teaching through it, uh, it was, again, like the ascension was a good little detail. But it's interesting to see that in the, the early sermons of Peter in the book of Acts, really the, the basis that he gives 
for the evidence that what he's teaching is true is the ascension. And like the miracles that happens that he does and performs that he's kind of put on trial for and, and asked about, he says the, the, all these miracles are doing is proving that Jesus is on the throne in heaven. Th- this wouldn't be happening if Christ hadn't been raised from the dead and was <laughs> seated on high with God. And so the ascension, really, I mean, I'm glad that you brought it out in your sermon because it really is a very significant part of the work of Christ and shows us that he, the, yeah, it's he's there. He's ruling. He's reigning. Mm. It's happening. Yeah. That's why we are able to do what we're able to do as the church. It brings to mind Handel's Messiah, and he shall reign to your mind. forever <laughs> and ever, right? King of kings, Lord of lords. Um, because that's what um, Acts is chapter 1 and then 2. It, the ascension is Jesus' coronation. Mm-hmm. That's his. That's the, the the enthronement ceremony, the coronation of the you know mm-hmm. Psalm twenty four, uh, who is the King of Glory, the Lord strong and mighty in battle. He's come from a victory and he's just won a mighty victory, and now he's ascended. He's being cor- coron. Uh, he's being cor- uh, crowned, coronated, <laughs> um, and then. After he goes, remember Ephesians, he ascends and he gives gifts to men and he dumps the Holy Spirit upon the church Mm -hmm. and all these gifts. I mean, that's what Acts is about is Jesus's reign from heaven. Um, If you thought the first part was good with what he did on earth, well, now that the cross and the resurrection are finished, now he's reigning uh, from from heaven and this is what he's doing. So, yeah, it highlights the importance of, uh, of that act of redemption for us, I think. Psalm starts, obviously, with Psalm 1 and then 2. But mm. Psalm 1 and 2 uh, are always in my mind when thinking about David and Christ together. Uh, Psalm 1 would go kind of with your sermon that you preached, Scott, about the law because it's talking about the righteous man and what he does. And when we read Psalm 1, it's a good thing to try to attain to Right, We want to be this righteous man. We want to be like a tree planted by the water, doesn't wither or fade. We we don't want to stand or sit with the wicked, the sinners, the scoffers. We don't want to do that. But I think if we're honest, we find ourselves often doing that. We find ourselves withering where we don't feel like we're planted by the river, overflowing all the time. And so this psalm is kind of like pointing to this one who maybe could do that. It's not. It's not me. And that that's what your sermon was talking about, Scott. Like I can't be this righteous person. Like that's good. I I would love to attain that, but I I can't be that. And we see Christ fulfilling that. He is this perfect righteous one. And then in Psalm two, it talks about this king, this king that we need. And it says it talks about why do the nations rage? Why do the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. But then verse 4 through 6, He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I read some of Psalm 2, but it was the, the, the next verses, 7 through that, but we have this fulfillment of Psalm 2. You know, people might, when it was Psalm, when it was first written and read, thinking of David, 
David is the king and he's the, the nations are plotting against us, but David is God's anointed who is reigning. But yet David didn't solve all the problems. Again, David died. And we see Israel going to captivity. We saw this. And what we have with that baby in the manger, with the Christmas story that we celebrate, what we have with Christ is we have this king where we actually can sit back like four through six say and say, all you guys are plotting and raging against us. Do you not know who sits on the throne? God has put the Lord on the throne. It's over. It's it's finished. And as Paul would later say, and we'll talk about this probably on Christmas Eve, oh, you can kill me. You could hurt my body. You can do all this stuff, but it has no hold on me because victory is mine in death. First Corinthians 15. Where's your sting? It's gone. It's absolutely gone. And why is it gone? Because the king is on the throne and he has allowed me to be a part of his family. And so I'm a part of his kingdom. I'm one of his citizens. I'm one of his adopted children. And you can't take that from me. You cannot take my citizenship from me. And so therefore, I'm good. I will be in the new heavens. I will be in the new earth. I will be with my king forever, being able to worship him with no more sadness, no more guilt, no more shame, no more hurt. But I'll get to experience a true, faithful king forever in his kingdom that is perfect forever. And so that's what we look forward to in the second advent. And hopefully that's what we've seen as we've been going through these covenants of how Christ has fulfilled this. We don't we don't look for another. We're not trying to look for something better. It's all been done. And it's amazing that in these covenants, almost all of them have been unconditional on God's part. It's not, Tim, you got to go do this and then this. Now with the Sinai one, it was obey these, but they realized they couldn't. But God still mm-hmm. continued to promise in all of these his what's called this hesed love, this steadfast love. You are my people because I want you to be my people. And it's amazing to think that God would do that. And for some reason throughout all of history include me, little, you know, little old me who doesn't matter. And if you've been saved by God's grace, you, you know, you are included in this You are included in these covenants. You're included in this story, this grand story of Scripture from Genesis to Revelation. God has included you in it, in his kingdom, and it's really a wonderful thing to try to grasp and to to think about. Anything else? No. All right. Well, we hope you have a Merry Christmas. Again, we hope to see you on Christmas Eve here at the church at 5 o'clock. It'll be a short service, about 45 minutes long, just a good time to get together celebrate the Christmas season. So uh, if you're not there, again, have a Merry Christmas. Hope the Lord bless you this week, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you on Sunday. God bless.